From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. in the desert from the South Point Sportsbook on a Wednesday. Matt Humans with uh, JVT and VSEN, Vinny Maiulo. Vinny, we got some NFL news to talk about today, but uh, we're going to start with uh, baseball. Dodgers, mm-hmm. Padres, another marquee matchup tonight. And how about this pitching matchup at Petco Park with uh, Walker Bueller and Blake Snell. The Dodgers uh, continue to play good baseball. The Padres do not. And last mm-hmm. night, the Dodgers get the win in the opener of the series, 5-4. to four. Uh, JVT, uh, start with you. You and I talked about this yesterday. Thought the Dodgers were cheap last night, so I, I did bet the Dodgers. It came with a sweat in the yes. ninth inning with uh, Kenley Jansen again trying to close the game, and it's never easy now when you get the closers like Kenley Jansen and Aroldis Chapman. No, it's not. But this is a Dodgers team that is playing really good baseball at this point right now. This lineup uh, is finding its swing for certain guys as well. Uh, the offense, what are they now? Won 14 out of 16 games at this point, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I think what you and I talked about yesterday, and Vinny can speak to this, is from a price perspective, right, with this Padres team, you know, they seem to be a little overvalued by the market. And sure enough, you see opener yesterday of $1.30. Some spots actually came back down uh, toward the Padres, mm-hmm. but eventually closed in the $1.40 range. What do we see here today? With Blake Snell on the hill, and yes, it's Walker Bueller, but now we're starting to get to that 145 range a little higher for Los Angeles. And the Padres uh, struggling this month, let's face it. I mean, 8-12 uh, and 12 this month. They did have pretty good, uh, I think they still have a winning record against the Dodgers overall this season, but the Dodgers just playing much better baseball right now at a time when uh, this is going to be critical for them, and now the Padres find themselves, by the way, out of the wild card right now. They're a game behind the Reds in the, in the loss column right now. So, uh, but the, the money's showing right now for the uh, for the Dodgers. Uh, opened a dollar thirty, and and why not? Just look at uh, current form here. Up to a dollar forty-one. The total on the game sitting at eight, with a little shade to the under at fifteen cents. And the Dodgers, you can still get them at six to five if you think they can uh, continue to stay hot and yeah. keep the Padres cold. Well, I think for the last two months. Uh, Walker Bueller has been about as good as it gets in baseball. Definitely a top five starting pitcher in MLB. I got his number since July 10th. 133 ERA, 322 expected fielding independent, 3.7 strikeout to walk ratio. He's pitched six or more innings in each of those starts, seven or more in each of his last two appearances. Like Bueller's been unreal, but we should also give Snell credit. Snell's actually been really good too. He's turned things around, yeah. Definitely. In the month of August for him, 22 innings pitched, 245 ERA and a 297 XFIP. You know know me, humans. Like those ERA XFIP splits is what you want to look for. what you see is what you get with Snell. He's been yeah. absolutely unreal. The command is a lot better this time around. Seven walks over his last three starts, which is 15 and a third. So these are two really good pitchers going at it here today. And Snell, recent form indicates that he's not going to let up anytime mm-hmm. soon. That's the marquee pitching matchup tonight in baseball. The Padres right now 14 games back of the Giants Oof. in the NL West. That's hard to believe that they could be that far back of the Giants. Also uh, tonight, the 
Uh, Yankees are off, but mm-hmm. last night their win streak hit yep. 11. They beat the Braves 5-4. to four. I talked about Kenley Jansen making you sweat if you bet the Dodgers. Same with Roldis Chapman and the Yankees last night. Uh, but the Yankees are now 47-23 and 23 in games decided by one or two runs this season. That's a winning percentage of uh, 67, Vinny. So uh, in baseball, you don't want to bet against the streaks. Right now, you don't want to bet against the Yankees. Streaky teams uh, create streaky betting. And again, the Yankees uh, cash in tickets uh, quite a bit, guys. And look, I, again, I mean, we talked about it. Uh, we talked about it quite a bit. Both of these teams, the Yankees and the Braves, you know, a month and a half ago, were really afterthoughts and and struggling uh, uh, and in the second part of their divisions, but have righted things. Braves with a pretty comfortable lead now, certainly the favorites in the National League East, and the Yankees still have a series to go with uh, uh, with Tampa Bay. So uh, if they can stay hot, it's not out of the question for them to win the division. That lineup, man, it's, it's delivered. They got, to, they got to Morton again yesterday. Morton, who had been rock solid for a really long time, gives up four earned runs. And you're talking about what Stanton homering, who John Carlos Stanton has been incredible yeah. over the last 20 yeah. games or so. LeMahieu goes deep. Odor went deep as well. And now, all of a sudden, they're starting to get healthy, too. Because you've got guys both in the rotation and the lineup who right. can start to make their way back for this Yankees team. So uh, they're looking pretty damn good, man. Yeah. Well, one, I'm glad you brought up Stanton because he really, you know, he was, he was the odd man out for a while. It's mm-hmm. amazing what a, a, a competition within the clubhouse will do to make somebody hungry. And he's uh, yeah, certainly Stanton's responding. Always, he's always going to be a streak hitter, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one week he'll look like uh, Tarzan. The next week he'll look like Jane. <laughs> you know, that's, that's who uh, Giancarlo Stanton is. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break here. We've got uh, – we got a loaded lineup today on the show. My guys in the desert. Back in a minute here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. It's Vinny Maiulo, JVT here. My guys in the desert on a Wednesday. Julian Edlow of uh, DraftKings joins us later this hour. And Chuck Esposito of Red Rock Sportsbook in hour number two. And I was out at the Red Rock last night watching the Dodgers-Padres game and sweating it out. And uh, JVT, I know you're going to enter a, at least one football contest at Station Casinos, right? Last man standing college. College. You're going to do college. Yep. You feel like you have a better shot with uh, college in the NFL, or what's well, the deal? I, I, well, so I like to have a little variety when it comes to it. Like I've, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have two entries. I'm going to join, you know, split two entries with a couple of guys in the super contest, uh, and so figure college. There was one year made a good, pretty good run, and I like college football, yeah. so a little variety. No, that's uh, that's always a good good way to approach it as well. I like to do uh, a couple of golden nuggets. Got a college and NFL contest. William Hill right now has got a college contest. I'm going to talk about with a major overlay. Yeah. I don't know uh, how many people know about that. It hasn't really been promoted much. Uh, but, Vinny, let's talk college football. Today, Point Spread Weekly is out. Our digital magazine mm-hmm. at VSIN and Scott Frost, Nebraska football coach, is on the cover. Frost has had a tough three, first three years at Nebraska, and uh, he's trying to get things turned around. It's going to be tough for him to do it this season. But uh, he is a seven-point road favorite against Illinois and Champaign mm-hmm. this week. And the number has come down a little, a little bit since the opener, right? The Big Ten matchup that kicks it off on uh, Saturday. Yeah, it did open eight and a half. And again, uh, these games open very early. If week one of both college and uh, pro football uh, opens up much earlier, so you get uh, you get extra time to to bet it as a as a better, and you get extra time as a bookmaker to take action. And uh, eight and a half on the opener got as low as six and a half, and now mm-hmm. up, up to seven. So. 
uh, starting to see some two-way action on this game here at South Point. Nebraska seven-point favorites. Again, looking to avenge last year's loss uh, in Lincoln to uh, to the uh, to the Illini. Uh, when they were double-digit favorites. So seven-point favorites here, 55 for the total, and 260 on the money line for the Huskers. When you look at last year's game, it's kind of you wonder, how did that happen? Yep. Illinois was a 16-point dog in Lincoln, won the game 41-23, to and that was not a good Illinois team. No, definitely no. not a good Illinois offense. Well, and, and that was the common thread for me. So you go back to last year, 285 yards on the ground for Illinois in that game, 5.5 yards per attempt. They get four starters back along this offensive line in a, in a system in which is going to want to run the ball yeah. uh, oh, quite yeah. a bit. Oh, yeah. And here's the other thing. I, you, know, you, and, you and I talk about this a lot, where it's, okay, Team X has you know 10 returning starters on defense. That would be Nebraska. 10 guys back mm-hmm. on defense. Well, it's a defense that gave up 215 yards and 4.5 per carry to Ohio State. It's a defense that gave up 245 and 4.7 to Penn State. We went over the numbers for Illinois. They also went 206, 4.8 allowed to Minnesota on the ground. So when I look at this overall, like how much better are you expecting this defense to be this year with 10 guys coming back from, a, I think, a front seven that had some issues against some potent run games, and you saw it in this matchup last year, and now they're a seven-point favorite on the road with the team returning nine guys on offense. Right, a lot of times you look at returning starters and say, like, 10 starters back on the Nebraska defense. Well, if five of those guys suck, then right, that's right, not, right. not a big positive. Do, doesn't tell you a whole lot about, uh, or does tell you quite a bit about their recruiting, right? <laughs> right. As well, right? So uh, if you're going with a lot of the same guys, you say, well, they got another year under their belt. Well, listen, you know, transfer portals and, and recruiting certainly has not been the same. Uh, at Nebraska. New coach also uh, uh, aspect here, right, for Illinois with mm-hmm. Brett Bielema uh, coming back to the uh, the Big Ten. Again, he was at uh, uh, Wisconsin where they were very successful. He went to Arkansas, did not have success there, now back uh, back in the Big Ten. So it should be interesting. And that's, a, that's an angle, too, that a lot of uh, betters uh, like to uh, to take into consideration as well was a coaching change, a new co- first year coach. Well, there's in. different ways to look at that too yeah. because uh, we had who was on with us this week? Was it Chris? Huh? Was it Chris? I think it was Chris, Chris Andrews, Andrews who on Monday, said that yeah. mm-hmm. he he often uh, wants to fade mm-hmm. a coach in his first season, yeah. and uh, that's going to be interesting to watch how Brett Bielema gets off, what kind of start he gets off to here in uh, Champaign because actually he's got a lot of talent coming back, even though that was mm-hmm. a bad team last year. I've looked at this. Illinois roster up and down. 17 returning scholarship seniors. That's mm-hmm. most of any team in the Power Five. You got a sixth year senior quarterback and Brandon Peters. Now, I know all those uh, those seniors are not uh, Alabama right. level seniors. seniors Brandon seniors Peters <laughs> is not uh, a Heisman candidate. Right. But still, he's got something to work with. It's not like he's taking over a destitute roster. Yeah, no, I mean, look, if you go back to like the game that we were talking about last year, Chase Brown, Mike Epstein, both guys who rushed for over 100 yards in that game, yeah. they're back. For Illinois, like there's depth that is back for Illinois, too. And on the other side of this, you know, I just wonder, as we talk about Scott Frost and the coaching job he's done for Nebraska, you know, this offense, each year since he's been there, humans, points per game has gotten worse every single year. His first year there, they averaged 30 points per game. Last year, they were only at 23.1. Their starting quarterback, Adrian Martinez, averages 1.3 turnovers per game in which he plays. Like, that's that's not really good (laughs) from your quarterback, right? Like, are they going to be able to run the ball effectively? Last year, Martinez was their leading rusher. So I think those are some questions that have persisted with Scott Frost in this offense. And, you know, we've also consistently overvalued this Nebraska team. Uh There was one year where they were, I think it was – was it last year or the year before? They were 6-1 to one to make it to the college football playoff in some yes. spots when the opening odds came out. I think out. before that season, they were like the hot team right, right there. Right. You know they I mean? were the very vogue team yeah. a couple yep. of years back. Yeah, guys. One other thing, though, about Illinois and the coaching change, right? It's a new style, too. So you could have these veterans here, but if it's a new style, I mean, it's obviously a new voice. What are the expectations? And that's where you try to garner some uh, a little bit of 
intel as to how practices are going. What, is, what you know, does Bielema try to instill a completely new system, or, or he's got to tweak a few things, right? So right. Uh, that that'll be interesting too. When I see, and I think that was, speaks to Chrissy, uh, Chris Andrews' point as well about fading uh, a first-year coach is obviously there's got to be something changing, uh, whether it's the you – know, is it a drastic system change or is it just a tweak? We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's look at uh, my best bets for this week in college football. And uh, one of those is Illinois plus seven against Nebraska. And, uh, Vinny, I'm not getting the best number here, but I'll still take a full seven. That's the best I can get at this point. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska, Illinois under 55. And uh, you talked about Brett Bielema tweaking the system. JVT, what are you going to see at Illinois right now is a strong running game, a defense that's going to be strong up front, and an emphasis on clock management and ball control. Yep. Right? That's yeah. Brett Bielema's game plan. And, and I think that's why if you're talking about backing new coaches, you know, this isn't to, to extend on Vinny's point, right? It's tweaking. It's a team that is going to go from, you know, maybe running a few more, like a few less shotgun plays. So yeah, you're going to run in more power formations and things like that. It's not like you're going from what Georgia Tech was running with that option to yes. an entirely different scheme where you got to get new players. Right. Now we're just going to line up a little bit tired. We're going to have bigger guys on the field a little bit more often, which I think helps you out with He's going to try to play Wisconsin football. Yep, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska under six and a half wins. Uh, John, look at this schedule and tell me where you can find seven wins. Uh, Now, you can find three right off the bat. If uh, the Huskers win this week, then they get Fordham and Buffalo. They get off to a 3-0 start, and they say, oh, you're in trouble if you played under six and a half. But, man, not so fast. Look at the rest of the Nebraska schedule here. Uh, You've got games against Oklahoma. Just go ahead and put a loss next to that one. Uh, Michigan, which is I I think is finally going to be a little bit better uh, this year. Minnesota, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And uh, Nebraska will be an underdog against all five of those teams. Mm -hmm. So there's right there, that's six games that I think the Cornhuskers should lose. It's going to be tough for them to get over six and a half. You tell me where you see the – uh, the seven wins in this Nebraska schedule. I don't think I see seven. I think you can make a case for about five, right? That's mm-hmm. why I'm saying yeah. under six and a half. Yep. Yeah, you, they've got the Huskers have to get to seven and five to beat you here. I don't think they can get to seven. I, maybe mm-hmm. six. Right. The, those those home games are the winnable runs that you mentioned, right? Ford and Buffalo, Northwestern's a winnable game, Purdue's a winnable game. Uh, but then outside of that, you're talking about, and you know, maybe on the road against Michigan State, depending on where the Spartans are. But again, that's a road environment in which you're going to be an underdog in. Right. Like if you're talking about looking at this and saying this is a seven-win team, uh, I would I would find it very hard to make the case right. that I want to lay a minus one ten that they're going to win that. And we'll consider this, and we use four and a half for the for the conference. Remember, here at South Point, we used conference win totals, and, and we use four and a half. So uh, not a lot of movement uh, on that number either. Two and a half, by the way, two and a half under for Illinois. And it's not Conference like they jumped wins. on the over. So. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, the schedule starts off pretty soft yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for Nebraska, especially if the Huskers can win in Champaign right. this weekend. But when you uh, start to look at the rest of it, it's uh, it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, there's an NCAA investigation right now. Right. Scott Frost is not exactly in the catbird seat. Yeah. So things could go, the wheels could fall off, and uh, things could go bad for this team. After the first three games I talked about, at Oklahoma, at Michigan State, Home against Northwestern and Michigan, at Minnesota, home against Purdue and Ohio State, at Wisconsin, 
home against Iowa. Iowa's won six straight in that rivalry. Those last three games are brutal for them. Uh, I mean, very tough. There, there actually are zero soft spots on that Big Ten schedule. No, because right even there. if you look yeah. at, like we talked about, like the Michigan State game, potentially winnable, but that's coming off of a game against Oklahoma. And it's North, on the road. Right, exactly, starts. and it's yeah. on the road, and then you come back to get Northwestern and Michigan. Like, yeah, every single part of this schedule is treacherous for them. All right, Scott Frost is 12-20 and 20 in three seasons. Uh, Chip oh. Kelly is 10-21, and 21, but Chip Kelly's going to pocket $5.6 million this season. It's a good job if you can get it. Uh, Hawaii, an 18-point underdog against UCLA at the Rose Bowl this weekend. And uh, I took 18 with Hawaii. That's another one of my best bets. Now, JBT, we talked about this a lot last season. Now, Hawaii run defense was a sieve early in the first half of the season. I think it got a little bit better in the second half. And you've got 11 starters back on defense. And reports I get from the guys I know on the islands who cover the team is this defense could be a lot better. The run defense is going to be have that's Chip Kelly's bread and butter. He's yep. going to try to run the ball and create opportunities for quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson in this game. But this number opened as low as nine. It got up to 18, and that was a buy sign for me. I went ahead and took the 18. I think you bet this as well. Yeah, I got 18 too. And so I actually, for me, the analysis goes to the defensive side for UCLA, and it kind of ties into the conversation we were having with Nebraska, right, where it's like, hey, we got 10 guys back on defense. We got 10 guys back on defense at UCLA as well. A defense that gave up 30 points per game and 410 yards per game Mm -hmm. a season ago. A defense that allowed five of their seven opponents to get over 400 yards of offense, and they gave up 40 or more points twice. Right? right. If you look at the history under Jerry Azanaro, their defensive coordinator, <laughs> he, he, it has not, not been good. He's not the sharpest knife in no. the door. If no. you look at under Kelly, he has not had a defense that has allowed fewer than 30 points or 400 yards per right. game. So, like when right. I when I start this analysis, it's this is a Hawaii team that brings back a lot of the skilled positions, a quality quarterback in Shaven Cordero. I, I just don't know if you have faith that this defense is going to have enough to stop Hawaii. To, to, and I shouldn't even say to stop them to keep them outside of a number like 18. Mm-hmm. This is not a defense that has been very good. Yes, they can rush the passer, but their defense has been relatively poor, especially the back end of that schedule. There's a reason why they were losing close games. Right. Because their defense wasn't very good. So, when you're talking about 18, uh, to me, that's a playable number given what I think Hawaii can do offensively against UCLA. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned Mm -hmm. about this game getting away late. Who knows what could happen. But 18 can be an important number. Let's say you're talking, uh, you know, 42-24, 38-20, something uh, if the game gets away a little bit. But also, uh, Vinny, you get the look-ahead uh, angle to consider here with uh, LSU on deck for UCLA. No, no doubt about it, Matt. But you know the thing about it, guys. Just to touch on Hawaii for a second here, they're going to get here early, right? I mean, to, to, to play this game. So I mean, they're here. They should be in town probably today. I don't know exactly when they got here, but the thing about it, you want to really watch them as they go forward too, because this is the first of seven road games for them this year. And their home games have to, they've got to travel on the island to a different location for their home games because their stadium is being remodeled. Well, they're so, going to play in Honolulu. Yeah, that's what, yeah. so I mean, they're going to, they're, they, they, they're going to accumulate more miles than mm-hmm. the most pro teams this year, if not all of them. But this game here, we're still at 17 and a half, but it's going to go, uh, it'll get to 18 and probably higher. But if you laid nine, Matt, and you took 18, yeah. you're in a great <laughs> spot. I did not weigh nine. Yeah. Oh, I tried didn't. to. You tried. I tried oh. to. I picked up the sheet at Station Casinos. I was at Sunset one day, and it said uh, UCLA nine blinked. over Hawaii. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> okay. I went up to the uh, writer, and I said, give me number 272 or whatever it is. And he goes, oh, that number is now 15. <laughs> okay. So Might want to update the sheet. Might want to update the sheet sometimes. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, yeah, that's where that number opened at nine, that and a couple other places. Yeah. Uh, so... Three Mountain West teams in action, JVT. And you wrote the Mountain West up for the VSIN College Football Betting Guide. Hawaii, we just talked about. Mm-hmm. UConn is at Fresno. The number is 27 and a half. 
and Southern Utah at San Jose State. Vinny, has that game up on the board yet here at the South Point? I've seen 21 and 22. No, we, didn't, we did not uh, put it up yet, man. We've got to get it up this week, obviously. So, uh, But uh, Chris is back there now. We were just chatting before we came on, and uh, he was looking at those games. He added games. So, uh, But you're probably going to see what's, what's out there. 20, I see 21, 20, 22. 22. 22. Yeah. What do you think? I think, it'll be, I think it'll be higher. I actually, really? personally, uh, I'm, I made the game like, 20, uh, what do I have here on my sheet? 24. Okay. So my, pers- my personal number. So I, I think Fresno State, like, clearly they have a lot of talent offensively. We were talking about this the other day where we're, you know, offensive linemen, seven of them have started the game. You have all eight wide receivers back from last year's team, four uh, running backs behind Jake Hayner. This is going to be really good offense. This defense is really deep, too. Uh, I do wonder is as this game, because they are a massive favorite and the numbers moved up from the opener, you know, as we're talking about Fresno State, in the game getting out of hand humans, you do have to make the road trip to Oregon the next week. And do you sit there in the third quarter, fourth quarter, and say, let's just run the ball and get out of here so we can get ready for a really tough non-conference opponent on the road? I think that's something to look at with Fresno State, especially as this number continues to climb, right, when you're getting to 27 and a half. Uh, But this is a Fresno State team that is going to press, I think, to cover that number, given how good they can be offensively. And when you're talking about the outlook, San Jose State, again, this is a team that has really big fish to fry, but they're really skilled offensively as well. At their skill positions, I think when you look at Starkle and what that offense can do, they can run the ball extremely well, good offensive line as well. Like, this is going to be a team that can control the line of scrimmage. And I think when you talk about that, maybe it's more of a ground control game. But these are two teams in Fresno State and San Jose State that I think are going to be very live to cover either one of those numbers against their opponents. All right, that last game, that fifth game, Southern Utah, San Jose. State not on the board, but yep. it's betting number uh, 308902 for San Jose. It looks like 22 is out there right now. The last one to talk about, UTEP, New Mexico State. Vinny, what's the number? It's up. It's, the number's been uh, rising this week yep. on uh, road favorite UTEP. UTEP, Matt, from seven. Uh, they laid everything up to through nine and a half and now sitting at ten. Double digits. Yes, the minors. I got nothing here. Other than <laughs> other than I'll say this, I don't think you should be laying 10 points with UTEP no. on the road, one of the uh, lower power-rated teams uh, in college football. There you go. I've been around a long time, and I've never uh, pondered, should I lay 10 on the road with the Miners this week? <laughs> I don't know if you're going to uh, ponder it now. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's, uh, that's only the fourth time in the last 11 years UTEP has been a road favorite. And just seeing UTEP as a double-digit road favorite, you wonder, how bad is New Mexico State? Yep. Uh, but I have not played that game yet. I might end up on the home dog. Who knows? Quick break. What is Sean King thinking? We'll talk about that next. OddsTrader.com studio at South Point Casino. Go to OddsTrader.com. Download the free OddsTrader app right now and start winning with up-to-the-second info you need. Live in-game odds and stats, real-time bet tracking, many more features up there at OddsTrader.com. All right, Sean King is the new co-host for Tim Murray on the nightcap. What's the uh, the catchphrase that Tim Murray likes to tweet out? Uh, two athletes, one death. That's right. Two athletes, one death. Sean King, a uh, former NFL quarterback. Wait a minute. I'm sorry right. for interrupting. I, I'm, that's the first time here. Two athletes, one desk? They're talking about Aaron Oster, actually. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, now, well, now, now you clarified. Now I understand. Okay, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Aaron Oster was a professional ping pong player. All right. Even um, 
No, Tim Murray played Division Three basketball. I am. For the Mules. Yeah, the Mules. Right. And uh, Sean I mean, King played at Tulane, Tampa Bay, Las Vegas, Las Vegas Gladiators. We mm-hmm. talked about it yesterday. He had 10 TD passes in a game for the Gladiators against the Grand Rapids Rampage. Yeah. Anyway, two athletes, one desk. <laughs> And uh, one weird opinion from Sean King. Uh, let's let's check this out. His quote is, I'm on record as saying, Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask will be better NFL quarterbacks than Zach Wilson. Uh, I'm okay. just telling you, Kyle Trask from Florida. Not first-round picks, obviously. Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick of Vinny's Jets. Uh, let's listen to Sean King and what he had to say uh, about Zach Wilson. I'm just telling uh, you that me, pick. That pick before we move on, Jason, is going to age terribly. Really? I'm, I'm on record as saying Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask will be better in a oh, quarterback stop than it. Zach Wilson. Remind, Come write on. that. Write that down. Hold on. Timeout. Timeout. Write that down. Wait. That's Sean King on Fox Sports Radio, Vinny. So we're talking about the same Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, and same one. Okay, with with Minnesota, with the Vikings now, and Kyle Trask from Florida. Compared to Zach Wilson, just look at the fact that Zach Wilson, his college pedigree, much better as a quarterback. He's still got to succeed. I get it. He's he's the starter already this year. Now, is there a time limit as to when there, he's going to be there? Well, his quarterback is going to be better poorly. So, you know, I mean, leaves the door open for a time limit. Well, I would, you know. But there, there could be some – I sense some studio action here. Uh, I would with, say, uh, you know, after five years, we're going to know. I mean, you knew after five years of Ryan know after Leaf. five games. Ryan Leaf was a bust, Hey, right? the door's huh? still open on the Rosen one in his career. So, you know what? <laughs> He's back. He just got picked my, up by the my Falcons. Top, my top quarterback of that draft, Josh Rosen. The door's still open. Well, <laughs> Sean is ob- you know, obviously has far more now, experience and more qualified. Right. He should also be fair. It, but, uh-huh. This was, I think, either right before or right after the first preseason game. This was on August 12th yeah. on Fox Sports Radio. So maybe Sean, uh, one of the two athletes uh, that know. mans the desk for the nightcap, um, maybe he has changed his mind All after right, watching say this. If you come out with a bold opinion like this, you can't change it in the span of 12 or 13, 13 or 14 days. days. It is pretty bold, especially huh? when you're like, ah, Kelly. You know what? Forget what I said two weeks ago. (laughs) You can't do that, okay? So, obviously, he doesn't like something about Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. That's what the point is here. Vinny, what is there not to like about Zach Wilson? I understand. I mean, no no prospect is a lock, right? Well, listen. Maybe Andrew Luck. I mean, the Only. obviously the, the Buccaneers, the defending champs, uh, Minnesota. It is, is better. Both of both of those guys are playing on on better teams to, right going into this season. Uh, but I think that the pedigree, frankly, uh, with Zach, I, I have to tell you, I have to respect a guy named Aaron Rodgers who had a very high opinion of what he saw out of Zach Wilson last week during training with mm-hmm. uh, you know the Jets and the Packers. Uh, they played each other last week in an exhibition game, and they trained all week. So I, I, I've got to, you know, pay. And, and if you look up the, the comments uh, by Aaron Rodgers on Zach Wilson, uh, I don't think it was just, pay, you know, he wasn't paying lip service. That's not Aaron Rodgers' style. So, um, look, I mean, if you're asking me as an odds maker to put up the price as to who's going to have a 
better career right now, I mean, Zach Wilson's a pretty significant favorite over both of those guys. As I'll make him an entry. Yeah, I like, I like Wilson a lot. I like You have to like what you've seen from him by PFF standards, the fifth highest graded quarterback in terms of passing grade uh-huh. uh, in the preseason up to this point. Uh, but, you know, I, I said this in the NFL guide, and it's very true for the New York Jets. You know, they have a wide spectrum of finishes this season, and it's all dependent on whether or not Wilson is going to play very well. He's got the pieces around him. It's just whether or not he's going to develop into the guy, and it looks like so far he is going to be the guy. Uh, he's going to be the guy, but the Jets are up against it. They've yeah. already got some problems here in the preseason, some oh, injury issues. Injuries, and, yeah. By the way, do you know who the highest-graded passer by PFF standards is in the preseason? I would say Zach Wilson. No, it's not. <laughs> C.J. Beathard. Oh, yeah, the baby. Jack bars. Okay. <laughs> I think Zach Wilson's looked pretty good in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. You know, from I've watched almost every preseason game. I think I've missed only two of them. He's looked uh, about as good as any young quarterback in the league. All right, so Zach Wilson's not going to be Josh Rosen. Uh, well, we don't know that yet. Okay. And don't, right. don't shut the door no, on Josh. He's not. It's showtime. Shohei Otani takes the hill tonight. NFL preseason, the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VSIN Pro Football Betting Guide. The guide is uh, $19.99, available now. It came out yesterday. Get it ASAP. Experts provide profiles of every team, advanced stats, power ratings, best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and all sorts of features. Brent Musburger featured in this issue as well. Sign up for VSIN All Access. Get everything we offer for the entire football season. VSIN.com slash subscribe. Point Spread Weekly is out today as well. Uh, we take a look at the college football week zero games. Uh, again, go to vcin.com slash subscribe. What's up, Vinny? Week what? Week zero. It's not a, it's not a zero. <laughs> it's an O, as in one. You okay. hate week zero. That's ridiculous. Stop it. Come five on. games. <clears throat> five games up there at week zero uh, right now. Let's talk baseball. JVT, it's showtime. Shohei it Otani goes up against a team with a 19-game losing streak. And... Um, the Orioles have failed to cover the run line in 18 of those. So if you took plus one and a half, you were one in 18 in those 19 games. And the Orioles have been outscored by 108 runs in those 19 games. How could Shohei lose here? I don't think he can. Uh, he's only got one loss on the season as a decision. Yep. Uh, as a pitcher, Shohei more than a $2 favorite tonight against Chris Ellis. Angels at Orioles. Yeah, not surprising to see. I, I thought it was uh, pretty cheap, the price that opened up for Shohei Otani. Uh, initially, we saw the first price of $1.60. So now we're upwards over $2. Uh, that is a fair price. I think one can argue maybe a little bit higher, but Otani's been unreal. So if you remember his um, last start of June, Actually, no, it was July or June. He got uh, squeezed in New York. It was a bad performance. Gave up seven earned runs before he got out of the first inning. But since then, he's been unreal. He hasn't given up more than two earned runs in a start. He's gone at least six innings in every single one of those. And uh, for the most part, he's actually been touching seven in a majority of them, too. So uh, it is hard to think that against this lineup that Otani is going to find um, – some trouble. And on the other side, you get Chris Ellis, who's making his first start for the Baltimore Orioles. He's pitched five total innings in the majors. Uh, he has one inning of relief for the Kansas City Royals, I think last year or the year before. And then this year, he's pitched a couple of innings for the Tampa Bay Rays. Not a lot to work with in terms of his arsenal, too. So this seems like quite the spot for the Angels to keep this streak going for the Orioles. The 
we we used a high, we used two thirty to open this. It got oh, down yeah. to two ten. Now they just laid it as we speak. Uh, the game up to two twenty. So believe it or not, two way action here. But at the end of the day, uh, we're going to need the Orioles just like we do every night because the the Angels will be in every parlay. The Angel the Angels run line, which is minus minus, right? You're laying one and a half. You're laying a dollar forty right now. That'll get played. Uh, as well. So uh, the Orioles, uh, we need them every night, uh, particularly uh, when it comes to to try to knock out parlays. That's That's the the ugly side of being a bookmaker, right? Is uh, you you sit back there and a lot of nights you need the worst teams on the board to come through for you. You can look at the, uh, at the betting menu and, and you know, you know, you know, you're going to need on a, on a daily basis. But again, don't feel sorry for us. We'll be. We'll be. I'm fine. not. I didn't say. I, mean, I, I can't. Well, I didn't. You know. I mean. No, Eleven to ten. Never would. Don't worry. About ten it. and other things always working in your Laying favor. Two twenty. Johnny Avello of DraftKings on with us yesterday, Vinny, and he said, "You know, I don't hate." Baseball betting in August and <laughs> September, but I strongly dislike it. <laughs> he hates it. Don't let him kid you. No, it's uh, it's just that you know we don't we don't get to September, and rosters go to. I mean, it, the Orioles they got to make an exemption. They can go to forty men right now, right? right. I mean, but you know, going into uh, every day, uh, certain teams that uh, that you're going to need on a on a on a, on a regular basis, but uh, that's that's part of the business. That's uh, just the way it goes, and you just uh, you go with it. Just move them a lot quicker. That's all you can do. All right, the uh, Rays last night beat the Phillies, and uh, the Phillies are struggling. Mm-hmm. JBT last week they got yep. swept by the D-backs in Arizona. Zach Wheeler's had a great season. He's got ten wins, a WHIP of uh, one flat. But last week he gave up six earned runs. And six and two thirds to the D-backs in a six-two uh, loss. He's trying to bounce back here against Ryan Yarbrough, who's going to start for the Rays. And uh, Vinny, what do you have on a number here before JVT breaks down the matchup? The uh, Phillies dollar thirty-two on the opener, up to a dollar forty-four. Wheeler's probably, you know, he's been there, been their best arm for sure. Uh, eight for the total, which is exactly where it opened. Has a little little move, a uh, five cent move to the over at fifteen cents, and the. Uh, Phillies plus with 35 if you think they can uh, get the race by two or more. Yeah, if you go back, um, so you go back to July 7th, there was a start in Chicago. I don't want to say the wheels are falling off for Zach Wheeler, but it ha- he hasn't been as consistently great, no. right? You give the uh, the four earned runs and back-to-back starts to Chicago mm-hmm. and Miami in that month of July, and then you go to the beginning of this month, he gets knocked around by the Washington Nationals for him, right? It was seven and a third, but he gave a four earned runs over those seven and a third. He pitches a complete game shutout against the Mets, but then gets beat up by the Cincinnati Reds before that game you talked yeah. about against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So uh, there have been some peaks and valleys for Wheeler uh, throughout this uh, last, I'd say, two months or so, and now you get a raised team uh, – uh, that has Wander Franco, who has been hitting extremely well up to this point, a lineup that has really timely hitting. And then the other side, when it comes to Yarbrough, like, you know what you're going to get out of him in terms of length and everything. Uh, you know, when we're talking about the Rays at a relatively solid plus price, given how well they have hit and given what we have seen from Wheeler, it is hard to turn down, I think, Tampa Bay at a price like that against Wheeler. I agree. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about a, a much better all-round baseball team at plus 130. 135 right in that range, yep. and a Zach Wheeler who has uh, who has not been very sharp lately. So uh, I think the dog would be the side I might look at there. How about White Sox and Blue Jays? Lucas Giolito, Robbie Ray. Last time Robbie Ray faced the White Sox, he struck out 13 in six and a third innings, allowed one run. 
Uh, Lucas Giolito has been pretty good over his last eight starts with a 2.92 ERA. Vinny, what do you have for uh, White Sox, Blue Jays in Toronto? Yeah, pretty uh, pretty close, Matt. Not a lot of movement here. Dollar seventeen. So this, uh, this game uh, pretty has pretty good two way action. Uh, so bouncing back and forth between about fifteen. Uh, since uh, to the uh, to the home side in the Jays and and a dollar twenty so one seventeen right now eight and a half for the total and plus sixty on the run line yeah, and Ray's been really good I think his problem has kind of been run support for the most part right if you look at how about having a, a ERA of one sixty seven in the month of August and yet the Jays are one and three in right. his four starts this right. month mm-hmm. because you're talking about uh, one run scored two runs scored a one nothing win over the White Sox and then a five two loss in extras to Cleveland and that's just this month so I think you know what you're getting from Robbie Ray it's been very consistent this entire year his command is is back in a large way it's why he's near the top mm-hmm. of the board in terms of winning uh, the Cy Young in the American League. He's been absolutely dynamic. I think you just have to ask yourself, are the Blue Jays going to be able to get to Giolito to give him enough to win this game? And I think that would be my worry. And you haven't seen a lot in his starts that would make you think that that's going to be the case for Toronto. Yeah, it's interesting. These are two really good pitchers, but they've, uh, they've been throwing a home run derby mm. this season. Ray has allowed 24 homers. Giolito's allowed 25. Those are high numbers for uh, really good starting pitchers. Yeah, I mean, for Ray, I guess you could talk. He's only given up, what, four home runs in his last, I think, seven starts. But right. he did have one start against Boston, which he got taken deep three times. Well, that's true. So, he got ripped yeah. in that game. Makes the number look a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Vinny, we got a pretty good baseball betting rotation to break down tonight. Giants and Mets, Reds, Reds at Brewers, Dodgers at Padres. We'll do all that in the second hour. Julian Edlow of uh, DraftKings joins us next. Uh, We'll get his breakdowns on some baseball and football games. Stay tuned. OddsTrader.com studio at South Point Casino. Go to OddsTrader.com. Download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up to the second info you need. Again, go to OddsTrader.com. All right. We have a new guest on the show today. It's great to have him on. Julian Edlow of uh, DraftKings. And uh, Julian, this is your first time appearance here. Content specialist and co-host of the Unreasonable Odds podcast for DraftKings. And I know you handicap baseball and uh, NFL, college football. We're going to try to hit on a little bit of everything in this segment today. So thanks for jumping on, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Always fun to uh, be a first-time guest on uh, on another show. All right. Well, let's uh, start with the NFL. We'll kick it off here, Vinny, with uh, NFL preseason week three. And Julian has uh, circled a couple of spots here, including the Bears and the Panthers. And looking at first-half plays, Vinny, what do you have on the – the Bears Titans game and the uh, Steelers Panthers. Steelers Panthers uh, first in uh, first on a rotation there, so uh, two and a half for the uh, for the first half there. Uh, again, the uh, Panthers being bet up in the game from one to four, and then in the Bears game, a new favorite. They're the uh, they're the two point favorite now after being four point underdogs to start. One point favorites for the first half. Okay. Julian, what are you looking at in uh, those two games? And it looks like the Bears and the Panthers are your preferred sides, right? 
Yeah, so I'm hoping to keep this one to first half simply because the week three of the preseason is now in certain ways week four of, of the preseason, which is the week that hasn't mattered in the past. Now, when you condense things, I do feel like we're going to see, you know, we're, we're going to have to have some teams still play out some some position battles that they're having. And then maybe the second half of these games turns into the guys that are trying to make the roster like we've seen in, in years past. So when I'm looking at these spots in terms of the, the Panthers, you know, they've obviously got their guy in Darnold, but they have some quarterback depth there with Walker, a guy that, you know, if you, uh, you know, bet that brief XFL phase, um, a guy in Will Greer that's well known from his time at, at West Virginia guys that are going to play. And we know for the Steelers, um, you know, they're going to be without Big Ben. They're going to be without Rudolph. So they're going to have Haskins, who, you know, former first-round pick, who has something to prove. He's going to go out there and start. But I, I think that they're going to be just kind of behind the ball in terms of the talent that's on the field early in that game. So I'll go to the Panthers' first half there. Um, and then we know that Andy Dalton, who has been named pretty much the week one starter for the bears is going to get this final preseason game off. And what that means is that we're going to see, uh, according to, to Matt Nagy, roughly a half of, of Justin Fields. And it sounds like they're going to put that first team offensive line out there for, for as long as possible with fields. So, uh, Fields obviously has a lot to prove. He he played pretty well in preseason. The Bears, I think the, you know, widely popular take is that they should be starting Fields. He's going to go out and try and prove that one last time, that he should be the guy in week one. So I do think that he can, you know, kind of carry the Bears in the first half of that game. All right, Bears got blown out last week, 41-15. to They were embarrassed by the Bills. They were down 34-6 mm-hmm. early in that game. And Andy Dalton, it was three and out, three and out. He did hit for a long touchdown pass. But not much happening with the Bears' offense last week. I was disappointed in the Panthers, JVT. That was a pathetic performance. They were three-and-a-half-point home dogs, and they were blown out by the Ravens. Uh, you did hit a winner. You got in the back door with the Jaguars yeah. on uh, Monday night. But I don't think the Jags are going to be a bet-on team in too many spots this season. Yeah, C.J. Beathard saved my bacon. So, uh, Julian, I, I, we're not going to see a lot of C.J. Beathard uh, in the regular season, despite the fact that he's actually PFF's highest-graded quarterback in the preseason up to this point. Um, what do you expect from Jacksonville this year? Officially named the starter, Trevor Lawrence, a shock after a really gritty battle with Gardner Minshew for the top spot on the depth chart. Uh, there is a lot of people who think that this is a dark horse in an AFC South that I think nine, ten wins is going to win it. I'm not entirely sure. Where are you at with Jacksonville heading into the regular season? Yeah, I can't say that I can get on board with with the Jags either. Um, Trevor Lawrence, a generational quarterback. People think he's the best prospect since whoever, maybe Andrew Luck. Uh, But that doesn't mean wins right away, and it especially doesn't mean wins with a, a rookie head coach. And Urban Meyer, as good as he's been in college football, this is a completely different animal and he's got a quarterback that eventually should be a great player, but how much is really around him? Uh, you know, other than some minor upgrades, it was, it's mostly the team that just wound up landing the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, we saw years ago, you know, in the mid two thousands, Nick Saban go to the dolphins. And that's the example that I always like to, to point to Nick Saban has built an absolute powerhouse at Alabama. He didn't do very well with the Miami dolphins. It doesn't mean that you can coach, in the NFL, uh, it's a completely different scenario. So I haven't fired on anything yet, but I do strongly lean to that under six and a half on the Jaguars win total. Uh, just because, which is weird to say a team that's favored week one, they get a couple of those games against the Texans and, and we'll see, but 
it's just going to be too difficult, you know, week to week seeing this team get to seven and 10 for, for me to even consider the over. So this would be an under or nothing for me on the Jaguars. I want to make a point really quick before you get to you, Vinny, is that when you talk about like the, the leap that the Jags make, because I think Julie makes a really good point where a lot of people are comparing Trevor Lawrence to Andrew Luck, thus rookie year 11 wins. Remember, that was a team before they got Andrew Luck. Yeah, they were winless up until, what was it, week 14. Mm-hmm. They were in the playoffs a year prior because they had paid man. Like There, there right. was still some talent on that roster. They added some in the draft, and I think that's why you got that leap as opposed to what you're seeing from Jacksonville and the point that Julian made. Yeah, five-game uh, five uh, improvement uh, in this year. I can tell you this, after Monday night, we did see under money come in on and, uh, six and a half. Yeah, I'm surprised you still see six and a half uh, minus 110 on the unders out there because it seems like the entire 20, world yeah. likes the Jaguars under six and a half. And yeah. I do too. I can't make an argument against it right now. Jaguars two and 14 last season. All right, Julian Edlow with us, DraftKings content specialist, Unreasonable Odds podcast host. Where can we find your podcast, by the way? Find the podcast uh, in all the normal places that you're going to find podcasts. Uh, we get the the YouTube link out. I usually tweet it out every uh, every week after we record. You can find me on Twitter at Julian Edlow um, for that, and you can always usually find it, uh, you know, in our different articles scattered across the DraftKings playbook as well. JBT, have you done a podcast for Vsin recently? Are you taking the uh, off season? Uh, we've done, we're on every other week, so we did one uh, last Thursday with Danielle, and then we'll have a new one next week. Okay. NBA centric, so right. take this, uh, take a little time you off. Yeah, take a little time off in the offseason. All right, Julian, that little, how about uh, your college football win total bets? And I see one that uh, you and I are on the same page with another I've considered betting, and I, I did play Utah over eight and a half. You like Boston mm-hmm. College over seven. You also like Wisconsin to win the Big Ten West. Uh, I guess expand on some of your uh, college football futures. Yeah, so in terms of in terms of Utah, that was one that I kind of had my eye on. Um, and, you know, I think like everybody, we all get Phil Steele's magazine every year and look for the teams that he expects to do well. And he has them pretty high in, uh, you know, in some of his ratings this year. Uh, we had Phil Steele on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Um, so you can go check that out. But we, I, I need him back. I mean, the man, I can talk to him for hours. We went for over an hour. I think he was the longest one we recorded this summer. And while we were talking Pac-12, obviously Washington is his number one surprise team this year. But uh, he really spoke just as highly on Washington, who was a little bit down last year, lost a bunch of starters. But the year before, they were a team that I played that win total over in 2019. And they plowed through the Pac-12, went 11-1, and um, and wound up you know, letting me down in that Pac-12 championship game against Justin Herbert and a, a very good Oregon team. But this year, you know, uh, Phil told me that after speaking to the coaches, they feel that this is is Utah's best offensive line yet, which is saying something if you watched that 2019 team. And they get a quarterback transfer from from Baylor in Charlie Brewer, who's extremely talented. And the thing about Brewer is that he was getting dinged up because he wasn't playing behind much of an offensive line at Baylor. Now he's going to play behind what Utah is calling its best offensive line yet. Um, so yeah, the Utes are a team in the back 12 that, that I'm pretty high on over eight and a half there. Um, Boston college, a team that has been, you know, I've poked a little bit of fun of them. I'm here based in Boston where we have DraftKings HQ. They haven't always been the best product this year. I think we're going to see something pretty good. Uh, they, they kind of grinded out six and five last year. They, they have the quarterback uh, in, in position in Jerkovic. They have a, a wide receiver 
in in position um i think as well who's who's expected to have a really big season even though they lost long the tight end i think this offense is going to be going to be pretty good for for bc and when you look at the schedule you know clemson you can maybe mark that down as a loss although they were up 28 to 13 on clemson at halftime last year before clemson got shut uh shut them down in the second half I'm expecting a, a lot out of the Eagles uh, and think the schedule, you know, Phil Steele said that BC could be favored in as many as 10 games. So how can you not like over seven there? You got to go 500 to lose your money, if anything. And uh, real quick last there on Wisconsin, uh, you know, over nine and a half to win the big 10 West, which one's the better bet. I don't know. I kind of lean to the division one. I just don't think there's that much competition on their side. Um, I was there and then looking at DK Sportsbook, the third team in the in the odds there in the standings is Minnesota plus 900. So a pretty, pretty far fall. And Wisconsin's got a, a really good schedule. Um, it lines up well. Four and a half point favorite in week one against Penn State is a is a tough one. Um, the neutral field game against Notre Dame. But yeah, I mean, Phil Phil Steele told me in I believe it's six of his nine power ratings that he does. He has Wisconsin going undefeated. So that was pretty impressive. I I, I, I was surprised by that. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be more impressive if, if it actually happens. I don't think it's going to happen. But Minnesota is the main competition for Wisconsin in the Big Ten West, and uh, I don't disagree with your bet there. Phil Steele on the Unreasonable Odds podcast with uh, Julian Edlow on July 31st, and you can see that. Uh, take a, Check that out at Julian Edlow on Twitter. It's pinned at the top of his page. Hey, man, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, thanks for jumping on today, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thank you for having me on. All right, that's Julian Edlow of uh, DraftKings Content Specialist and uh, Podcast Host. JVT, how many college football win totals have uh, you fired on? Uh, None. Okay. I got some futures, but nothing in terms of win totals. I got a handful, about, I think, four or five. I'm going to have to uh, go through them tonight to see, but Utah over eight and a half is one of them. I like, I've also got Utah at 10 to 1 to win the Pac 12. And, uh, Good price, man. That, uh, that well was done. a good price, Vinny. Well done. That was a good price. That price has disappeared. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We've got some NFL news to get to in hour number two. 